Once again to the Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. How is everybody doing on this Monday? Oh, we had such an incredible weekend. Probably the most craziest, most electrifying finishes in sports so far since I've been doing this show. So this is a jam-packed show. I'm going to get into all of it. We got probably the greatest World Cup final of all time. We had... The largest comeback in NFL history, and we also had the craziest finish in NFL history. What is going on? And of course, this is a local podcast to the Columbus area. I'll get into all the local stuff as well. Just sit tight. We got a great show for you. So this is just an announcement on the show. On Mondays, I'm not going to have a guest. I'm not going to have a co-host. It's just going to be straight me for approximately 50 minutes. I've got so much sports to cover that I have got to go through it all. And I got an opinion about it as well. This is the holiday break. A lot of kids are getting out of school for the Christmas break. And I'm going to continue doing shows. I mean, I got some good guests lined up, so you don't want to go anywhere. But just a reminder to all my listeners that you are listening to us on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key out of Noonan, Georgia. Brought to you by Ivy Park Sports Bar Grill, Christie's Cafe, the Man in the Mirror podcast, and Local Grounds Coffee Company. I just want to let my listeners know for the next two weeks, I will not be doing a live show at Ivy. We are taking a two-week break, and we will start that back up in the new year. But there is plenty of sports to get into, including Week 15 NFL, bowl games, Columbus State, Lady Cougars get a big win. The River Dragons are on fire. So let's go. I want to start this show talking about the World Cup Final. Because when I watched this, this may have been the greatest sporting event of all time. Approximately a billion viewers were watching this epic World Cup Final. And congratulations to Argentina and the GOAT, Lionel Messi, for winning his first ever World Cup. Argentina wins their third and their first since 1986. This was the equivalent of LeBron and Kevin Durant in a Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Just two incredible players, Lionel Messi, Kylian Mbappe for France, going back and forth. Mbappe gets a hat trick, and he wins the golden boot. Lionel Messi with two goals. Argentina was up two to nothing. And then Kylian Mbappe, who's right now the best soccer player in his prime. And France is going to be back, by the way. But Kylian Mbappe, after getting a penalty kick, two minutes later, he gets the equalizer, and we're tied up at two apiece. Then Lionel Messi gets a goal to put Argentina up three to two. And then Kylian Mbappe, he gets a handball inside of the penalty box, Penalty shot once again. So two goals by Kylian Mbappe were penalty kicks. Kylian Mbappe ties it up once again, and then it goes to penalty kicks. I mean, this was such an incredible finish. It was high drama toward the end. 
You had incredible saves by both goalkeepers. Both teams were fatigued toward the end, and it was just an epic World Cup final that unfortunately ended on penalty kicks, although I don't mind penalty kicks. I like watching penalty kicks. Argentina made all their penalty kicks. France missed two of them. And Argentina wins the World Cup. I am just so happy that the World Cup was available for me to watch, even at 5 o'clock in the morning. And I was okay with it going head-to-head with college football in the NFL. I mean, it was a special circumstance. The World Cup was in Qatar. We all know it's 120 degrees in the summer. And it was incredible. I mean, if you're a soccer fan, you're going to watch the World Cup whenever. We're used to watching it in June, but it was great. I cannot wait for the next World Cup in four years where the United States will be co-hosting with Canada and Mexico. And Atlanta, by the way, is one of the venues. So that's something to look forward to if you live in Georgia. And the next Women's World Cup is in 2023, and it will be hosted by Australia and New Zealand. And of course, the United States women's national team is the odds-on favorite to win the World Cup once again. And I got plenty of time to talk about the World Cup for the women in 2023. But the World Cup comes to the close. Also during the weekend, Croatia beat Morocco in the third place game, 3-1. to one. And now Argentina is tied with Italy. Italy's got three World Cups, but Brazil is still the king of the mountain with five World Cups. Now, Lionel Messi says he's not going to retire from the Argentine national team, but this is his final World Cup. At 35 years old, I just don't see him playing in the World Cup in 2026 because he'd be 39. But Lionel Messi is the GOAT, and congratulations to him for winning the World Cup. Like I said before, it reminds me of John Elway winning the Super Bowl, Dale Earnhardt winning the Daytona 500, uh, Michael Jordan when he finally won a championship in 1991. It's just an incredible moment for the greatest soccer player of all time, Lionel Messi. Congratulations. Wasn't that a crazy NFL Week 15? First of all, I love these Saturday games. We witnessed the first game on Saturday, the greatest comeback in NFL history. You know, I was at a graduation on Saturday, so I was actually coming back from that, from Atlanta, listening to the game on the radio, and I turned on the radio, and and the Colts were up 36 to 21. I did not realize that the Indianapolis Colts had a 33 to nothing lead at halftime. A lot of mistakes by the Vikings. It's not like Matt Ryan was leading the Colts to big offensive plays. The Vikings were making a lot of mistakes, so they had a hole to climb out of. And I was looking at the win probability for the Indianapolis Colts, it got as high as 99.6. The Minnesota Vikings came all the way back and won the game in overtime 39-36. to And they completed the greatest comeback in NFL history. I was rooting for the Colts. I'm a fan of Matt Ryan. I was rooting for the Colts because my 49ers, I'm trying to get the 49ers that number two seed. The Minnesota Vikings right now are 11-3. They have the number two seed. I will get into the playoff projections because I I actually have some uh, 
predictions for the NFL playoffs, but I really feel bad for Matt Ryan. On the losing end, once again, not only to the greatest Super Bowl comeback in NFL history, also the greatest comeback in NFL history, but to be fair to Matt Ryan, he does not play defense. Now let's go to the craziest finish in an NFL game of all time. The Las Vegas Raiders beat the New England Patriots 30-24 to in probably the craziest play ever. First of all, the Raiders were able to tie it, and that was a controversial play because I don't know if Keelan Cole was in bounds. It looked like his foot was out of bounds. The Raiders tie it up 24 apiece. Okay, you got 32 seconds left to go. The Patriots, who normally don't beat themselves, they've got Mac Jones. Just sit on it and go to overtime. Mac Jones is not driving the ball down the field. It was a crazy play because Ramondre Stevenson gets open in the lane. There's no more time on the clock. He's actually in field goal range. And I don't know if this was a panic move, but he laterals it back to Jacoby Myers. This should be the ball game right here. I don't know what Jacoby Myers was thinking, but he decided to lateral the ball to Mac Jones. Mac Jones was nowhere in sight. It just so happens that the Raiders had Chandler Jones right there. He stiff arms Mac Jones. He recovers the fumble 48 yards to the house. A walk-off win for the Las Vegas Raiders. And it really hurts the Patriots' playoff chances for the Raiders to beat a Bill Belichick-led team. And this was very sweet for Josh McDaniels to beat his mentor. Remember how long Josh McDaniel was the offensive coordinator for the Patriots? He was the play caller. And so the student beats the pupil. And the Raiders at 6-8, and eight, they are still alive for the playoffs, but they do have an outside shot. This was just an incredible NFL week. Now let's talk about the local team to Georgia because I do have some thoughts on Desmond Ritter. How did Desmond Ritter play in his first NFL start? Well, first of all, the Falcons down 14 to nothing. It looked like they were unprepared. They walk into New Orleans taking on their fiercest rival. They have a shot at getting into the playoffs still with the Buccaneers losing. Desmond Ritter was okay, but he didn't wow me. He didn't even pass for 100 yards. Really, the big factor for the Falcons that kept him in this game was Tyler Algier. 17 carries, 139 yards, and a touchdown. And I'm kicking myself for benching him on my fantasy team. Why did I do that? I just forgot to put him in the starting lineup. The Falcons had a bye last week. So, I'm probably going to lose this week because of that, but it's okay. I'll probably sneak into the playoffs. The Saints are a really bad football team. And this was a game the Falcons should have won. But Desmond Ritter, his only target that he was pushing the ball down the field was Drake London. Falcons need to get some more playmakers. Once they get Kyle Pitts, once they get some more dynamic wide receivers, then I can evaluate Desmond Ritter better. I mean, he does have some mobility in the pocket, but I want to see him throw the ball down the field. I mean, this was the criticism of Marcus Mariota. I was getting frustrated when the Falcons were down 14 to nothing. It looked like the Falcons' defense were sleepwalking for the first couple of drives by the Saints. Uh, first of all, a speedy recovery to Falcons' defensive coordinator, Dean Pease. He was injured pregame by one of the Saints' players. 
and he was rushed to the hospital. But the Falcons adjusted, and their defense kept him in the game. The Falcons had a chance to, to tie it or win it. They were down 21-18. to Desmond Ritter gets a fourth down conversion. Drake London converts on the fourth down, and then he loses the football, and the Saints have it. Talk about another heartbreak for the Atlanta Falcons. Then the Falcons do get the football back with nine seconds, but Desmond Ritter doesn't even attempt to throw a Hail Mary into the end zone. It's kind of like that Georgia Tech game against Virginia where the Georgia Tech quarterback just ran out of bounds. Desmond Ritter, you know, he's got to learn to try to put the team on his back. If Desmond Ritter is the guy, he wins a game like this. He marches down the field, and like he was doing, it's just that the Falcons were snake-bitten by that turnover. It's not going to get any easier for the Atlanta Falcons. They take on the Baltimore Ravens, one of the top defenses, and it is a road game. But the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually do the Falcons a little bit of favor. They were up 17-0 to the Cincinnati Bengals, but they lose 34-23 to in a contest between Joe Burrow and Tom Brady. Joe Burrow, four touchdown passes. Cincinnati Bengals are 10-4. and They are hot right now. They are playing with a lot of momentum. Right now, they would be the number three seed, but since they have the tiebreaker with the Chiefs, they know that they could possibly get the number two seed. They play Buffalo, too. Home field advantage is a possibility for the Cincinnati Bengals, and they don't have a drop-off from their Super Bowl appearance last year. The Bengals look just as good, maybe even better, because their offensive line has improved. And welcome back, Jamar Chase. He's done great so far. Saturday was just an incredible day of football. We had a triple header. We had the greatest comeback in NFL history. Then we had the Cleveland Browns stifling the Ravens, which catapults the Bengals into that number three seed. And then in snowy Buffalo, the Buffalo Bills willed their way to a victory. The Dolphins played very good. I actually give the Dolphins a lot of props for going up to Buffalo and playing the Bills hard. They were up. 29-21, to but then the Buffalo Bills were able to march all the way down the field, kick a game-winning field goal. They are still 11-3. They have the number one seed right now in the AFC. Going down all the other NFL games, the Philadelphia Eagles. Jalen Hurts didn't have all that great of a game. He still had three rushing touchdowns. The Eagles beat the Bears 25-20, and it looks like they have home field advantage locked up in the NFC. They're 13-1. Tricky road contest for the Eagles, but they're able to get the victory. But Jalen Hurts did have two picks. And they didn't run the football very well. But when the Eagles have two dynamic wide receivers, when you have two number one wide receivers, you cannot have a drop-off in corner. And the Bears played their hearts out. Another team that's played their hearts out that almost beat the Cowboys last week, and they almost beat... The Kansas City Chiefs this week is the Houston Texans, who are playing tough for their head coach, Levy Smith. The Chiefs win in overtime 30-24. to Then you also have the Detroit Lions, the hottest team in the National Football League, hold off the New York Jets. Welcome back, Zach Wilson, trying to get his starting job back for the injured Mike White. But the Detroit Lions win the game on the road, 
Seven and seven, they have all the momentum, but right now they are on the outskirts of the playoffs. But they look amazing. I can't believe this team started one and six. Steelers keep their playoff hopes alive, beating the Carolina Panthers on the road. And then the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is a team that I think is going to make the playoffs because the Titans are on the downslope. The Jaguars just continue winning. And these two teams are on a collision course to meet on the final regular season game. Trevor Lawrence with four touchdown passes in his career. But the story was the Dallas defense giving up 40 points to the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Cowboys were up 27-10 to in this game. The Jaguars end up winning the game. Rashawn Jenkins with a 52-yard interception return. And that is all she wrote. There's a lot of speculation by Cowboys fans that they were overlooking Jacksonville, preparing for that massive showdown with the Philadelphia Eagles next week. But now the Cowboys, who are right now the number five seed, winning that division is really going to be out of reach now. The Eagles haven't quite clinched the division yet, but it's pretty close. Some of the other games, you had the Denver Broncos beating the Cardinals. You had the Chargers beating the Tennessee Titans. Titans are 7-7. Seven and seven. Even though they're in first place in the AFC South, Jacksonville is right behind them. And the Chargers, I want to see the Chargers get in the playoffs. 8-6, and six, they hold the final playoff spot. It's just better when you have elite quarterback play in the playoffs. And right now, if the season ended today, we would get a playoff matchup between Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Talk about just an incredible game that the average football fan would watch. The AFC has all these elite quarterbacks, and I want to see all of them in the playoffs. Other games, you had the New York Giants, the Sunday night game beating the Washington Commanders. There's a lot of controversy, including a pass interference call that was clearly pass interference that was not called. The Giants are holding serve for the playoff spot. Right now, they are the number six seed. They would play the 49ers in the playoffs. we got a Monday night game tonight. You have the Green Bay Packers still alive for the playoffs, taking on the Los Angeles Rams, who aren't quite eliminated just yet. But this is just going to be a very fun and exciting time. I'm going to go ahead and give you my playoff projection. Starting with the AFC, I think that it is a three-team race for that number one seed. Cincinnati still plays Buffalo. Buffalo has beaten Kansas City, and Cincinnati has beaten Kansas City. The only way that the Kansas City Chiefs are getting home field advantage is that they've got to win out, and they got to hope that the Bengals beat the Bills. It is going to be tough for the Cincinnati Bengals to get that number one seed because they got to play the New England Patriots next week. You know that Belichick is going to get his team ready, especially playing at home. You got the Buffalo Bills. It is in Cincinnati, that Monday night game on January the 2nd. Then they play the Baltimore Ravens. That could be for the division. If you look at the Bills schedule right now, 11-3, taking on the Chicago Bears at the Windy City. But the Bears play everybody tough, even on the road, and Justin Fields is improving as a quarterback. They'll take on the Bengals, and then they'll take on the Patriots. Now looking at the remaining schedule for the Kansas City Chiefs. Taking on the Seahawks at home. 
the Broncos, and then the Raiders in Vegas. That could be a very interesting game, especially if the Las Vegas Raiders are still alive for that final playoff spot. But I think that the number one seed is going to go to Buffalo. They are going to get the first round bye, which means the Kansas City Chiefs will get the number two seed because I just don't see them losing a game. I see Buffalo winning out, and I see Kansas City winning out. Cincinnati will get the number three seed. And then the number four seed could either be Tennessee or Jacksonville. I think Jacksonville is going to get the number four seed. They are going to make the playoffs. They are going to host a playoff game. And then you would have a playoff matchup between Baltimore and Jacksonville. And then you would have the Chargers and the Bengals. The Miami Dolphins right now are currently the number seven seed. That could change because right behind them, you got the Patriots and the Jets both at seven and seven. And then you can't count out the Titans for that wild card as well, even though I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars will win that division. The Raiders, Browns, and Steelers are still alive, and mathematically the Colts are still alive too. But looking at their schedule, I just don't see the Colts winning a single game. Moving over to the NFC, there's no doubt that the Philadelphia Eagles will get the number one seed and will get home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Now, this is very interesting because the number two seed, if the 49ers have the same exact record as the Vikings, they will get the number two seed because of the better conference record. I mean, the Vikings just continue to win, but their point differential, I can't believe this is an 11-3 team. Number four is the Buccaneers at 6-8, and eight, but then you have three 5-9 and nine teams that are right behind them. This division is up for grabs in the NFC South. Pretty much the Dallas Cowboys is locked into that number five seed. They did clinch a playoff berth. Then you have the Giants in the number six seed, and then the Washington Commanders, the number seven seed. But on the outside looking in, the Seattle Seahawks, which their stock has gone down, and they play the Chiefs next week. Good luck with that one. And then the Detroit Lions. Let me look at the Lions schedule, because they take on the Carolina Panthers on the road in Charlotte. Sam Darnold's been playing a lot better. But the Lions are the hottest team in football. They have won six of their last seven games. Unbelievable. Hosting the Bears, and then they go to Lambeau to take on the Green Bay Packers. I think the Lions could win all three of those games and sneak into the playoffs. But what is my prediction? I do think the Lions get into the playoffs. And then they would end up playing the Vikings in the first round of the playoffs which means the 49ers would play the Giants. It'd be a rematch of the 2011 NFC Championship game, but I think the 49ers, even with a rookie quarterback in Brock Purdy, can win a playoff game at home. So that is my projection for the National Football League. Let me tell you something. I love this time of the year. We had some incredible bowl games. Bowl season starts earlier and earlier. UAB beats Miami of Ohio 24-20. to And then you had the first ranked bowl matchup as Troy beats UTSA 18-12. And Troy gets their 12th win of the season. Saturday was very interesting. Louisville beating Cincinnati 24-7. Fresno State, you know this team started 1-4. And they beat Washington State 29-6 to get their 10th win in the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl. Southern Miss beats Rice 38-24. BYU beats SMU in the New Mexico Bowl 24-23. to 
Boise State beats North Texas in the Frisco Bowl, 35-32. And the Florida Gators lose to Oregon State in the Las Vegas Bowl, 30-3. Anthony Richardson wasn't even playing. But Florida, 6-7 in Billy Napier's first season. I'm not saying that Coach Napier is on the hot seat. But in year two, Florida needs to start turning it around. Otherwise, this fan base will get too impatient. The Celebration Bowl happened at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta. Jackson State going into this game undefeated, taking on North Carolina Central. And it was Deion Sanders' last game as head coach for Jackson State. And it was not the result that Dion wanted. Once again, Jackson State loses in the Celebration Bowl. This time it was much closer. It was an exciting game. Shadir Sanders with the game-tying touchdown to the number one recruit, Travis Hunter. And Jackson State loses it in overtime. Dion is going to Colorado, but his pregame and postgame press conferences, you really got to hand it to Coach Dion for making it all about the kids. I mean, he's been a very good players coach that has allowed these student-athletes to make their own choices. Yes, you're going to see a lot of them bolt for the transfer portal and join him in Colorado, including his son at quarterback. And the number one recruit from last year's recruiting class, Travis Hunter. Don't forget that National Signing Day is December the 21st, as I will have a recap of all the signing classes on Thursday's show You don't want to miss it. And also on Friday, I'm going to have my high school basketball show. Hoping to get some special guests on that show as well. Action in the National Basketball Association over the weekend. The Atlanta Hawks, they do get the win over the Charlotte Hornets. 125-106 to to push their record. To 15 and 15, Trey Young did have 31 points. But the Atlanta Hawks, right now, a borderline playoff team, is taking on one of the hottest teams in the NBA, the Orlando Magic, who have won six straight, getting a statement road win over the Boston Celtics, 95 to 92. Paulo Boncaro scored 31 points. He is Favorite to win Rookie of the Year. I even think he's an all-star. The Orlando Magic has found a gym with the overall number one pick. Kind of turns out pretty good for the Magic when they select number one overall. They did it with Shaquille O'Neal in 1992. And they did it with Dwight Howard in 2004. And Paulo Boncaro is proving that he is going to be a superstar in this league. If you look at the NBA season so far... The teams that are expected to be there at the top are at the top in the Eastern Conference. The Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics both tied with percentage points in the Eastern Conference. The Cleveland Cavaliers, you know, they made the playoffs last year, but they are in third place right now with a 20-11 and record. The difference, Donovan Mitchell has really contributed along with second-year player Evan Mobley and Darius Garland. They have a very good nucleus around their superstar, Mitchell. 
And don't look now, but the Brooklyn Nets have figured it out. They have won six straight, 19-12 and 12 after beating the Pistons on the road. And I'm really looking forward to these Christmas matchups. But Philly has won four straight, and the Knicks have won seven straight. The Atlanta Hawks right there in the eighth spot. The Miami Heat, who was the number one overall seed last year, has won four straight. So all these teams are winning. And it seems like they are overtaking the Hawks, which would should have been one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference. And they have disappointed this year. And I think the Indiana Pacers are a surprise team as well. Benedict Matherin is one of the top rookies, and I've always been a fan of their point guard, Tyrese Halliburton. Over in the Western Conference, the Memphis Grizzlies have a game lead over the New Orleans Pelicans. The Pelicans have a big three now with Zion Williamson, C.J. McCollum, and Brandon Ingram. And Memphis, they just have a lot of depth around John Morant, who's starting to look like one of the best players in the NBA. I think that John Moran is going to get first-team All-NBA and could get some MVP votes. The Denver Nuggets, what can you say about Nikolai Jokic and what he did wilt-like last night, defeating the Charlotte Hornets 119-115? to Nikolai Jokic had a career-high 27 rebounds, 40 points. He had a triple-double where he had 40 points, 27 rebounds, and 10 assists. The last player in the NBA to put up those numbers, Will Chamberlain. Phoenix right now is in fourth place. On Saturday night, two top Western Conference teams went at it. The Phoenix Suns beat the New Orleans Pelicans 118-114, to 114, led by Devin Booker's 58 points. And the Phoenix Suns will take on the Lakers tonight in Phoenix. Right now, the Lakers are not even considered a play-in team, they would be ranked 12th. And the defending NBA champion, Golden State Warriors, is in 11th place. Warriors, of course, are going to be without Steph Curry for a couple of weeks. They did get a win over Toronto, but the West has a lot of talented teams, including the surprise team, the Sacramento Kings, with a 16-12 and record. Is this sustainable? Can Sacramento keep this up. I looked at their stats. Darren Fox is their superstar. Domitatus Sabonis is an all-star. He averages a double-double. But the biggest contributor that has been the best acquisition in the NBA so far has been Kevin Herter. Boy, the Atlanta Hawks are missing him. So the Sacramento Kings have a pretty good nucleus. They got a talented rookie in Keegan Murray. And they could snap the longest postseason drought in NBA history. They have not made the playoffs since the 2005-2006 season, the tail end of the greatest show on court. They still had Rick Adelman as their coach, but since then, when Rick Adelman stepped down, they have had a coaching carousel, just one coach after the other. Hopefully Mike Brown can ride this ship and they can break the postseason drought. Portland's at sixth place with a 17-13 and record. The Clippers... They are 18 and 14. Right now, they would be in the play in game. But with a healthy Kawhi and a healthy Paul George, they could definitely get some upsets in the playoffs. Utah starting to reel a little bit. No Rudy Gobert, no Donovan Mitchell. 
Still a pretty good nucleus led by Mike Conley and Laurie Marketing. The disappointing team is the Dallas Mavericks. 15-15. and 15. Luka is their superstar. And they got to get things going. And then Minnesota right there at 15-15. and 15. But they have Carl Anthony Towns, Anthony Edwards, Rudy Gobert. A very talented team. In the next couple of weeks, I'm really excited about the NBA lineup. Especially on Christmas. Here's the Christmas lineup. The 76ers and the Knicks kick things off at noon. Uh, both teams are on some winning streaks. That's going to be a good matchup. The Lakers taking on the Dallas Mavericks. It's LeBron taking on Luka. You know, LeBron in his 20th season, he's going to turn 38 on December the 30th. The Lakers are going to be without Anthony Davis for a couple of weeks. LeBron is going to start carrying this team. I look at what is the Lakers' other option. Lonnie Walker, the fourth, looks like a pretty decent player. He's averaging 15 points a game, but the Lakers need more, and Russell Westbrook is just going to continue shooting the lights out. At 5 p.m., you got probably a preview of the Eastern Conference Final. The Boston Celtics taking on the Milwaukee Bucks. At 8 p.m., the Memphis Grizzlies taking on the Golden State Warriors, but this is one of those games where they're not going to have Steph Curry. It's just not going to look the same, and... It's going to be a drop-off. And then the Phoenix Suns and the Denver Nuggets. Two teams that are the top teams in the Western Conference. I love the NBA. I'm excited about this Christmas lineup. And I'm excited to see how the NBA plays out when we get to 2023. Oh, we had some major games in college basketball. Some of the local teams. How about... Those Georgia Bulldogs, wow, they were able to beat the Notre Dame Fighting Irish in the holiday hoops giving at State Farm Arena, practically a home game for the Bulldogs, 77-62, to and the Georgia Bulldogs, led by first-year coach Mike White, are 8-3. and You know, this team only won six games last year. 8-3, and they take on Chattanooga, and they take on Ryder to close out the year they could go 10-3 and three going into conference play. And when you get into conference play, anything can happen. I think that Georgia can get about 15, 16 wins, maybe sneak into the NIT, and they would over-exceed their expectations for this year. So the Georgia Bulldogs are playing great. Now let's talk about Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech actually got the win over Georgia earlier this month. They got the win over Alabama State on Saturday, 96-60. to Georgia Tech is 7-4, and and uh, they will take on Clemson at the McCamish Pavilion this Wednesday night, and you can catch that game on ESPN2. When Georgia Tech starts getting into ACC play, they got to get some conference wins. This team, they have only made the NCAA tournament once in the past 10 years. I was looking at what Georgia Tech has done after their championship run in 2004. Not much. They have not done a whole lot. Now, they did go to the NIT championship in 2017, but they got blown out by TCU. As long as I can remember, Georgia Tech has always been a basketball school that made the NCAA tournament just about every year in the 1980s and 1990s. And they have had amazing players like Kenny Anderson, Dennis Scott, John Sally, 
Mark Price, Stephon Marbury, recently Chris Bosh, Javaris Crittenton, and also Derek Favors and Amon Shumpert. So Georgia Tech has decent players. Atlanta has a lot of talented basketball schools. A lot of high schools in Atlanta. Maybe it's the coaching, but they should be able to get up players. They should not have to compete with Georgia for the top high school basketball players in the state because Georgia Tech is a basketball school. Well, the Auburn Tigers, they drop a contest to USC, 74-71. to Auburn was ranked 19th. And then Alabama loses to Gonzaga on Saturday, 100-90. Alabama was ranked 4th. Some of the top 25 matchups, we had some good ones on Saturday. UCLA beats Kentucky 63-53. You had Arizona beating 6th-ranked Tennessee 75-70. Purdue is more likely going to stay number one after beating Davidson 69-61. And Virginia goes down. There's going to be a new number two. The Houston Cougars, they bounce back. Could Houston be the new number two after beating Virginia 69-61? The defending NCAA champions, the Kansas Jayhawks, beat the Indiana Hoosiers 84-62. This time of the year, especially around the holidays, I love watching college basketball because we are weeks away from conference play. And it just doesn't get any better than that. All right, Brace fans, we got MLB free agency. And this is definitely not what you wanted to hear over the weekend. But Dansby Swanson signs a seven-year deal with the Chicago Cubs. You kind of knew this was going to happen. The market was set already with Xander Bogarts going to the Padres, Carlos Correa going to the Giants. Dansby Swanson was going to get a big deal. And I don't think that general manager Alex Anthopoulos was going to pay him the money. I wish Dansby Swanson nothing but the best. He is a gold glove shortstop, and that is very valuable. Anytime you get a gold glove shortstop that can produce numbers like home runs, batting average, runs batted in, that is a bonus. I believe Vaughn Grissom will be the next Atlanta Braves shortstop. And the Braves have produced great shortstops over the years. Raphael for call, Andrelton Simmons, Dansby Swanson, and now Vaughn Grissom will be the next in line. Still keep your core players, Austin Riley, Michael Harris, Spencer Strider, Ronald Lacuna Jr. The Braves will be fine. And the Chicago Cubs, they provide another bat to getting Cody Bellinger. At least that the Dodgers don't re-sign Cody Bellinger, but I'm still sick to my stomach. The Dodgers were able to get J.D. Martinez. The Dodgers do it again. The rich get richer. And I got to tell you, with the one World Series championship by the Dodgers in 2020, it's not satisfying because they did it in a bubble. And the Dodgers are going to try to go for it all in 2023. I can't believe we're about a couple months away from pitchers and catchers reporting for Major League Baseball. That is incredible. Oh, I love it. All right, it is that time of the show where I get into the local stuff here in Columbus. You know, because this is a local podcast to Columbus and the Chattahoochee Valley, all the neighboring areas to Columbus, Phoenix City, LaGrange, and all that. Well, congratulations to head coach Matt Hauser and the Columbus State Lady Cougars. 
defeating Alabama Huntsville 78-61 to push their record to 7-3. Amber Abuzbe with 25 points. And then they're done for this year. They get to enjoy a nice holiday break. Their next game is going to be January the 4th in St. Augustine, Florida against Peach Bell Conference opponent Flagler. All right, how about those Columbus River Dragons? Because I believe they are the best team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. I talk River Dragons hockey on this podcast all the time, and why not? This radio station is the flagship for your River Dragons. They get the sweep over the expansion Elmira Mammoth 5-3 and 5-2. They came back on Friday to get the victory, and then they get the win 5-2 on Teddy Bear Toss Night at the Columbus Civic Center. And have a weekend, Thomas Aldworth, he scored five goals in two games. Thomas Aldworth, he ups his goal total for the River Dragons to 10. So right now, the Columbus River Dragons with a 16-2-1 record with 47 points. You know, they're three points ahead of Danbury with 44. Your leading goal scorers are Jacob Kelly and Alex Storjahan, both with 13 goals. Your River Dragons will be on the road for the next three contests as they will travel back to Port Huron on December 22nd and December 23rd to take on the Port Huron Prowlers. Then they get a nice Christmas break before they go to Biloxi, Mississippi on Friday, December the 30th to take on the Mississippi Seawolves. And then they are back in action at the Columbus Civic Center on New Year's Eve against the Mississippi Seawolves. For the first time in the Columbus Civic Center, this will be the first time that the Mississippi Seawolves are visiting the Columbus Civic Center as we embrace this new geographical rival in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. And as always, puck drop at 7.30 p.m. You can catch the game on WQEE 99.1 FM, the key with Tom Callahan on the call. And I tell you what, I'm a big River Dragons fan. I've been posting on their message board. I've been to a game. They're exciting. You know, I'm embracing the sports team here in Columbus because we have some great ones. Four professional sports teams for the first time since I've lived here. Now, I really don't care what poll the Federal Prospects League has when they do their power rankings. But it is a disrespect to the Columbus River Dragons to rank them second behind Danbury. Danbury has 44 points. And the River Dragons have 47. The River Dragons have the playoff experience by making it all the way to the Commissioner's Cup final last year against Watertown. Which, by the way, Watertown's having a down year. I know that it's still early in the season. I mean, we have a long season to go. This season won't end until May. But the Columbus River Dragons, by far, are the best team in the Federal Prospects Hockey League. And I think that they need to use that rankings as motivation to just to continue winning games. And that's the goal. It's just they got to just continue winning games so they can get home ice when it comes time to the playoffs. Oh, I have such a jam-packed week this week. Let me tell you what's going on in my neck of the woods down here in Columbus. You know, we've got high school tournaments. Down here in Columbus, we have the Muskogee County Christmas Tournament. And here's what's on tap. 
So you have four locations. Tip-off for the girls will be at 6. Tip-off for the boys will be at 7.30. Let's start at Hardaway High School where the Hardaway Hawks are taking on the Jordan Red Jackets. The girls are tipping off at 6. At 7.30, the Kendrick Boys Cherokee varsity basketball team is taking on the Carver Tigers. Over at Spencer High School, the Spencer girls are taking on the Columbus Blue Devils. And then at 7.30 at Spencer High School, the defending state champions for 4A, the Spencer Green Wave, are taking on the Shaw Raiders, which they've played them already this year. So this is going to be a nice rematch between these two teams that both made the playoffs last year. At Shaw High School, the Shaw Lady Raiders at 6 o'clock are taking on the Carver Lady Tigers who are looking to make a big run in the state playoffs from last year's run. Then at 7.30, the Columbus Blue Devils, 7-4 and four on the season. They're looking really good. Of course, they are the home of Columbus legend of basketball, one of the greatest basketball players in the city of Columbus, Sam Mitchell. And they're taking on the Hardaway Hawks. Over at Northside High School, you got the Northside Lady Patriots taking on the Kendrick Cherokees, tip-off at 6 p.m. at 7.30. You have the Northside Patriots taking on the Jordan Red Jackets. And then you're going to have brackets and... Winners will advance, and you'll have some 7th place, 5th place, 3rd place games, and a championship game, which will all decide this Christmas tournament on Wednesday. That will be located at the Lumpkin Center at Columbus State University. And I am pleased to announce that play-by-play announcer for the St. Ampicelli Vikings, Thrift Berenger, will have the call, and he has reached out to me and has asked me if I want to help out. He's going to be calling games that starting at 9 o'clock in the morning all the way to 7.30 at night. And so I let him know, sure, I will definitely help out as much as I can. I am excited to actually get to do play-by-play or color for basketball. I did it back in college. That's just another thing that I could add to my resume, which I'm very excited about. I know that this Christmas season it is starting to slow down sports-wise. But I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a Happy Holidays as we get ready to wrap up 2022. This has been a special year for me because this is where my broadcasting career really took off. It was approximately one year ago where I hosted the first coaches show at El Carrizo Restaurant in Columbus where I interviewed the Columbus Rapids head coaches And then the first game was December the 30th. Well, the first friendly for the Columbus Rapids will be December the 29th. The girls will be first on the pitch at 530. They are taking on Concord Fire South's all-star team. And then the Rapids men's team at 7 o'clock will take on LeMayo, a club team out of Atlanta. And I was driving around Columbus yesterday. And I spotted one of the Rapids billboards that was on Macon Road, Highway 22, right in the heart of Columbus, right before you get to Midtown. And that is a game changer. I'm so proud of the fact that I get to be part of the Columbus Rapids in year two. Now we have billboards. We are getting the word out that the Columbus Rapids indoor soccer team, fielding a women's team and a men's team, 
You can't get this in any other league except the National Indoor Soccer League, and it is just going to be a privilege to call those games. And my broadcast partner and co-host, Corey Bank, will be on the broadcast with me as well. Also, he is going to be joining me tomorrow, so stay tuned for tomorrow's show. Remember, we don't have a live show for the next two weeks at Ivy, so I'm going to try to get some guests on, and uh, we're going to have some great shows. Well, that's all the time I have here on the show, and I just want to thank all my listeners who have downloaded the podcast, and don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook and follow me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at SportsRichardH. So I am getting my subscribers. I'm already at 525 episodes. I mean, I'm just chugging along. I love doing this. I love sports broadcasting. And this has just been an incredible opportunity that I've had doing this show on the radio station and also just being a part of your lives and just talking sports every day, which is something I've wanted to do ever since I was in college. Stay tuned for Braves Country Baseball with Mac McGee and the armchair quarterbacks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye, everybody. You are listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge, broadcasted on WQEE 99.1 FM The Key from 2 to 3 p.m. Monday through Friday. This is a local podcast that covers Columbus sports and beyond. If you would like to hear more of this podcast, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, or Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.